What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Real Talk NFT, where we talk all things Web3. Super excited to have on today Mark McCurry, who's a head of platform over at Shrapnel, a AAA first person shooting game being developed on the blockchain. Welcome on, Mark. Hey, thank you for having me. And I'm going to let you t- tell us a little bit about your background because you have a lot of experience here, a lot of experience in blockchain, I see. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you made a shift into gaming? Yeah, so um, I was a startup guy that went to Microsoft and stayed there for about 18 years, um, <laughs> mostly in early stage tech. So I was sort of a startup guy inside of the company. Um, one of those areas I focused on was a blockchain. And so that was launching their nodes as a service, their tokens as a service, their low-code and no-code developer tools, that sort of thing. Um, did a couple of things inside of Microsoft, but decided that, that blockchain was where I wanted to be. And so um, I called a guy named Joe Lubin, who's the head of consensus. So mm-hmm. MetaMask and Vera, a lot of the infrastructure for Web3 was based there and moved over there to be their, their SVP of development tools. So basically not MetaMask, you know, all those other tools that are there. Um, and then I was really interested in gaming. I thought gaming was the place that um, really had the biggest chance to drive sort of Web3 adoption into the mainstream. You had people that were already buying digital currencies. They were buying V-Bucks or Robux or those sorts of things. Mm. And they were buying digital assets. And I knew from personal experience, it was a, a rude awakening when you found out you didn't actually own these things. Uh, and then also I saw the creator economy coming, you know, but people talk about creator economy 2.0 with, with, with like Epic and whatnot and saw that coming. It's like, hey, this is a chance for people to really um, be empowered and, and sort of with their creations. And so they could have agency with what they were doing and, and be able to monetize those in interesting ways too. And as it so happens, uh, the folks at Tracknell, I was actually a little over a year ago, uh, actually, um, we were getting ready to launch an NFT service at Consensus. And I got a call from the folks over at um, Shrapnel, and they're based here in my hometown now of Seattle. And we went yes. down and had a chat, and um, I literally signed before I left the parking lot. Uh, it was just they they really were the right mix of they knew how to build a great game. We aligned on where a blockchain would fit. Like, largely, it should be invisible to players, right? It should be about mm-hmm. providing value, not about technology. Um, and it's been a fun ride ever since. It's been a really fantastic team they built here who've worked on some of the best games ever. At the end of the day, you have to have a great game. Right? So they've worked mm-hmm. on Call of Duty and Bioshock and Star Wars and Ghost of Tsushima and all those, all those great titles. Um, and I've done a ton of work in the blockchain space. And so it's been a, a great sort of marriage. Uh, and we're, we're putting out some fun stuff. We just launched our first utility not too long ago in the call sense. Wow. There's, there's a lot there. And yeah. I appreciate that you have a lot of experience in, in blockchain. And for you to make the jump in the parking lot, there must be something here at Shrapnel. And personally for me, I used to love gaming. I'm going to date myself here. I used to go back in the days and play Super Nintendo and the first Xbox and, and yeah. uh, PlayStation. And I missed it. I, I personally have missed the beat. I have not been gaming for a while. Can you tell us what, what does even AAA mean? Because we hear that thrown around a lot in the NFT landscape. Um, tell us what that means. I think, you know, when you when you look at a AAA title, it really um, speaks to the, the, the size of the and the quality of, of the, the work that comes out of it, right? And so if you think about that, that's something that's going to be, uh, you know, we have full-on art teams, we've got spatial audio, we have, um, you know, it looks like you're, you're, if you think about a AAA title, you know, commonly you'll hear things like a Call of Duty or Bioshock or those are some of the titles that folks here have worked on, but really those titles that are uh, worked on by, by major studios with uh, very significant budgets to deliver uh, immersive storytelling and um, experiences for, for players. I see. Okay. And my, my gaming, I used to love role-playing games. I played Call of Duty before, so I've heard you yeah. have some Call of, sure. people that worked on Call of Duty before uh, onto the Shrapnel team. And with the new development of blockchain, you, you mentioned a lot of problems um, that it solves. And having been gaming for a while, and I, haven't, I don't have any kids yet that play Roblox or Minecraft, and kind of combining that with the creative economy, it seems 
like a lot, right? Can you tell us what the inherent problem is with Web2 and why gaming has really has led the way in 2023? There's so much um, money that's gone into gaming. I know there's a couple of questions in there, but if you could please. Yeah, yeah. so let me hit it from two two positions. One is from the player perspective, and I'll tell you a real world story for me that, that really underscored it for me. Um, and then we'll talk about it from the creator perspective. Um, and so from the, the player perspective, you know, Fortnite is an amazing game. My uh, son wanted to play that when it first came out. He was a little too young, so he used my account. And he bought mm-hmm. lots and lots of assets, right? He bought lots of skins and things like that. Um, then they came out with the Galaxy skin, where if you wanted to buy that skin, you had to buy um, a Samsung phone, right? Uh, and you, you get that as sort of a free gimmick. So sometimes they give away like headphones, things like that. So oh, wow. um, I told my son, I said, listen, I, I love you, buddy, but I just bought a phone. I'm not going to spend $1,000 to get a skin for you. But at the time right. I worked at Microsoft and they had an email alias and I found someone who owned the phone who had no idea what Fortnite was and they were more than willing to, to sell it to me. But the process mm-hmm. to acquire that, so he had something that he had rights to, but he couldn't just sell it to me. He had to meet me in a bagel shop in Bellevue mm-hmm. near Seattle. Um, I gave him $50. He let me log into his phone with my account, and then the transaction happened. But it's fairly cumbersome, right? Like that, right. That, that seemed a bit silly. So he owned something, couldn't, couldn't do it. Then my son sort of uh, was old enough now to have an account with Fortnite. He said, hey, Dad, can you transfer for all those things that I bought over to my account? I said, sure, that shouldn't be a problem, except it is a problem because he bought them, but he didn't really own them. So like the agency to trade them or sell them or things like that wasn't there. Or imagine you play a game for a long time and then uh, you're like, hey, you know what? Uh, you've moved on to the next game, right? Or, or, but you bought all these assets and they're there. Like, could you sell those to someone else who's interested? And so people find ways to do that, but they do it through like a black market or a gray market approach. So there's like too much friction there. And like, if you bought mm-hmm. something, you should really be able to own it and, and have agency with it. And so from a player perspective, it really is, if, hey, if I bought something, I should be able to, whether it's digital or physical, I own it. I should be able to do with it what I want within within reason. And there's a bunch of thinking we had to do to make that possible. Um, and we can talk about that more if, if you like. And then there's on the creator side, you know, you know the, the new um, uh, creator tools that Epic has put out just really underscores what you can do when you put people um, in front of tools that are really easy to use. And so I was at Microsoft for a long time, and that was their big thing about like, you know, my big thing is like anybody with an idea should be able to be a developer. But before mm-hmm. it was building it, it was building things for your Fortune 500 company, and then it was for building things for, for, for Web3. But this really allows people to build this out. And so if you look at how um, the Epic folks are doing it, it's like, hey, you're, you're letting people, and they've got the right idea, and it's how we build a lot of stuff that we are doing too, is you take people who are gamer, you give them tools that are native and intuitive to gamers, and they're going to build amazing things because it's easier for them to get their ideas out. So imagine if you did that with tools that allowed you to not just have a map or a skin or other things that you, or stickers and things like that that you've created, but allowed you to now say, hey, I can take those and I can move those across different types of games. I can sell them in different environments. I can make money off of that, whether it's crypto or real fiat currency. But I now have agency to take my designs and bring them to anywhere that I want to go to. And so I think when I look at Web3, Web3 provides trust and transparency. Um, and even though it's a multi-chain world, there's, um, there are ways that we make that easy and straightforward into what we go build. So we found ways that we can allow people to, to create and unleash their creations um, and be able to take those to any platform they want. And so um, we've built all this into the platform for us. But one of the nice things about people who are creators at heart, which you know game players are, they're not... Uh, you know, they're storytellers and they want to enable other people to tell stories. Everything we've built, we're making available to other games through a platform we call GameBridge. And so, um, you know, we're solving lots of tough problems in this space, but the goal is to make it as easy for folks as other tools um, that are out there for for developing games and plugging into Unity and Unreal and other places. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, there's a lot of advancement there from, 
you know, from when I play games to now, and I think I've missed a whole lot, um, especially prior to even going into Web3. It seems like there's been major developments where I'm not even apprised of uh, building, you know, assets and games and not being able to transfer. That's definitely something that is troublesome. The only thing I can remember back to playing a game that someone created was uh, in the War Warcraft you might, or Starcraft. Have you heard of those games? I'm sure of you course, have yeah. pretty big. And gamers would create a map. And we will all utilize that map because it was so so creative, right? And just that's the only in-game asset that I've ever experienced. Um, but I'm sure it's grown to a place where I can't even imagine. Can you, can you tell us how gaming is now? Because I hear of stadiums, people going into stadiums, watching games. I know over in Luxor, they have an e-game sporting arena. How, how big is gaming nowadays? Uh, it's it's massive. I mean, if you actually look at the amount of money people spend on gaming and then compare it to, say, like the, the film business, it dramatically dwarfs the film business, if you can believe it or not. It's a good amount of money that's spent there. And then if you think about um, different generations, some like my son's first concert was seeing Marshmallow inside of Fortnite, right? And so, <laughs> and then he, he bought like the Marshmallow skin to, to play with his character oh and things gosh. like that. So, so in terms of digital experiences, it's come a long way. But it's, it's funny when you mentioned uh, World of Warcraft, if you go and look at you know, one of the big blockchains is the Ethereum blockchain. Um, uh, Vitalik Odin is, is the guy who's sort of uh, the father of that. And one of the big motivations for him is he found out that he didn't own something he thought he did inside of World of Warcraft. And oh. that sort of, that helped kick off this whole uh, right, right, popularity right. for this. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar business because um, people are spending more and more time in these immersive experiences. Uh, and as they become more, you know, so if you look at it, Fortnite is a great example of this where, you know, it started off as a game, but now it's a social experience. You're experiencing concerts there you're mm -hmm. watching um i think the movie tenet had a film trailer debut inside of that that people wow. watch together um so there's a whole bunch of, of, of new types of things that people are doing there it's a more social experience and when you're having those more social experiences you want to be able to you know customize those and have your and also build maps for your friends and things like that so people are building inside of the um environments and so really it um you see people building their own games there I mean, in games that, that the, the old platformers that you talked about, like Super Mario Maker, did similar things. You could build your own Mario levels and things like that. Wow. But now, you know, you can build these things and you can monetize them how you see fit. Um, you can bring assets to other places. We even have it so you can build um, remixable stickers. And so you can build stickers that other, you'll allow other people to integrate into skins and you can make money from that. And so we had to figure out some tough problems like um, hierarchical royalties. And so if you want to buy this thing, this weapon that has these skins that have these stickers from these different people, you know, we've figured out how to make sure everybody gets, gets paid. And so we fall solve that for our game and we're going to bring that to other games too with, with Gamebridge. So it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun working with the team because, you know, if you think about some of the titles they've worked on, they've turned the knob to 11 consistently over many, many different types of games at different studios. And so my job is to say yes. And so we figured out how to do some things. It's, it's been some tough problems to go solve. Um, but we've got there and it's a lot of, lot of fun. And we've had some great partners who've joined us on the way who've uh, sort of believed in, in the title and, and what we're looking to do. So it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Tell, tell us a little bit about, about Shrapnel. I know we talked a lot about the industry and what's happened, but tell us about the game itself. Yeah, so Shrapnel is an amazing game. And, and so as the guy who works on blockchain, I am an, an unapologetic uh, fanboy for the great game mm -hmm. that my colleagues are putting together on the game side. Uh, so it's a, it's a game written in Unreal. It's a first-person shooter. It's a specific category called an extraction shooter. And mm. so what that means is when you play the game, uh, the stakes are real. And so you can go into a match, and um, if you bring in a loadout with certain weapons and gear, and you fight it out with someone, uh, and, and you win, you can take their stuff that they've run <laughs> into the match they may have lost. 
there's also going to be loot that's sort of seated in the environment. And so you've got a great first-person shooter that's great with immersive audio and, and great, um, uh, we call it lore, like the story around it is a lot of, a lot of fun. We've got uh, surrounding comic books and other things like that that help tell the story. And then um, you have to make it to these extraction points. And so it's not just you have to, to combat other players, you've got to make it to these extraction points. And then as you get further into the game, the, the, the number of people that can extract is smaller and smaller, which drives lots of high-stake uh, play the further you go in. And I can tell you, um, it's always fun when we play it in the studio because we do play tests every day. But we've been on the road and we went to the game developer conference and we went to the consensus conference, so a gaming conference and a blockchain conference. Uh, in both cases, it was just a lot of fun seeing professional streamers and everyday folks come in and start playing and having a mm -hmm. lot of fun and just seeing like um, the level of excitement that grows throughout. So you get this great game. Um, and then you also have that complemented by um, we call our creator tools. And so um, one is the first one uh, you, that people are testing right now is called Insignia. So you can create these stickers and skins and, and badges and whatnot inside of there. We've been absolutely blown away with people have been able to do just in the beta like far, far, far exceeding that. If anyone in the audience has played a game called Forza, which is you could create stickers to put on your cars from a Microsoft mm -hmm. game, um, similar type of approach to that. Uh, and then, you know, map tools are coming uh, for that as well. And then we've got a marketplace. And so the marketplace will allow you to buy, sell, trade content that's there. Um, and then we integrate other things um, for the game. So if you bought uh, NFTs, so in the Web3 space, if you buy NFTs as an early as a supporter, we enable what are called entitlements. And so you'll get early access to things as well. And so we're tracking ownership of those off-chain. But you're gonna have a, a great um, experience being able to play multiplayer, uh, first-person extraction shooter game, and then be able to have agency with your assets that, uh, and be able to create those assets in the, in the surrounding experiences we have for that. Wow, sounds, I've seen the trailer myself and I did play Call of Duty a tiny bit. Um, so I definitely look forward to the beta test also. And tell us, how, how does Unreal Engine play a part of that? Is, um, because I hear Unreal Engine a lot in the Web3 world. Yeah, so Unreal Engine is what we've built the game on. Uh, they've got a tremendous amount of um, tools and, and um, libraries available for us to build out some really, really cool uh, experiences. Um, and so um, there's a number of different things that the, the team is leveraging there where the, the graphics, the sound, um, the design elements, it, it just allows us to move at a higher velocity. And so you can imagine having a great, and now we've got, we're also looking at some of the other things that are coming out from Epic there. Uh, and, you know, if you think about Epic, there's, there's some analogs to what we're doing at Trapple, right? So Unreal came out with Unreal Tournament, right? And so you had a great game and you had a great piece of technology and those evolved over time and enabled a bunch of different games that could go build on top of, on that. If you think about what we're doing with Trapple and with GameBridge, that, you know, the platform we're doing is, we're building a, a world-class AAA game, and then we're also building this platform, and they're gonna make that platform available to other people, which is gonna enable us to drive a lot of uh, games in the space, making it much more easier for uh, for folks to get to get started. Hmm. See, I, I, I recently just got back from a pretty big um, conference called VCon, a lot of NFT speakers there, and a topic of late, I'm sure you know, is AI is a huge one. Uh, one speaker in specific spoke about how AI and Unreal Engine would just bring, you know, blockchain gaming, AAA gaming to the next level. Can you touch on that? Because it went a little bit over my head, but I understood kind of the gist that, you know, what he was talking about. But can you tell us how AI or if that all has been playing a part of developing the game? Yeah, yeah. And it's something we, we always look at. Um, and so there's, it's funny, we had a dinner conversation about six months ago um, when we were talking about AI. And so, you know, what are some things that AI could deliver for you? Uh, if you want to look at like textures and stickers and skins, you can go do that. Um, and so they can come up with some ideas for what, what might look great. You can use it for 
and people are getting more creative about bringing the AI engines together. So you could describe, you could have one engine describe what a, a room would look like that was based in Paris or something like that. And it could give you a great description. You could feed that into another AI system that would actually go render that as a picture. And then something else might be able to render that as a 3D environment and, and so on and so forth. So there's lots of things you could go and do there. Um, the, one of the things that people talked about at that dinner, we had someone that was, was not from the gaming industry. Like, oh, imagine if you can go have it build you like this great weapon. And so it's like, well, the thing is with, with weapons, as I found, because I, I came from a non-traditional gaming background here and I got to learn from some of the, the best in the business. Um, you know, a lot of um, what you're doing there is, is is about the feel of the gun, and sometimes it's a mixture of art and science. And it's not mm -hmm. for 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 players. Sometimes getting it exactly the same way that it works in real life isn't necessarily the best feel for them, and things like that. So, if you're looking at textures, I think that can help. If you look at environments, I think it's early days, um, but but can definitely help there. But then there's certain things like weapons where probably. Um, it's going to need to have a large learning set to go look at and see how other people did it for different types of weapons over time. So it, it could get there potentially eventually. But uh, it's something we're always looking at um, because keep in mind, if you think about it, not from, because uh, there's things that we're going to do for, as a AAA studio, but not everyone has a AAA studio budget, right? And mm -hmm. so the, the key thing is if you're going to want to enable creators, like what can you give them that will enable them to uh, build quicker and, and sort of get their ideas from their heads onto the screen and be able to, to realize them, right? Um, you know, the other thing is, is um, if you look at things like Unreal, it's not just for games, it's for um, scenarios, people are making films and, and, you know, the backdrops and a lot of the Star Wars shows, for example, are yeah. used uh, using Unreal. So lots of opportunities for us uh, there. The, the, the one thing that people are still trying to figure out is just the legalities of some of this. It depends <laughs> on whether AI is trained on sources where the people it was looking at, it's... Um, it's well known, or if they've just sort of uh, sort of scanned through a bunch of, of images or content without the author's knowledge, and so that that uh, legality will sort of filter out over time. But lots of really interesting opportunities. I think, if nothing else, it can give people lots of great ideas and direction where to go. Uh, so it can it can go that continuum of like giving you ideas to actually solving a problem mm -hmm. um, for you, and it's only going to get better over time. And then the legalities will, will sort themselves out. I see. Yeah, I was wondering if it provided a fork in the road where, you know, it changed the direction uh, of, you know, the game itself, because I've been hearing, and this is probably 10 years down the road or five years down the road, or who knows, where the it, the renderings, like you're mentioning, uh, with AI get happen in real time, where you can have different iterations of the game into an infinity, where a player like myself could have a complete different gaming experience than a person over in, you know, in Asia or whatnot, because Unreal Engine... Uh, with the AI integration can in real time render different worlds based off of my specific NFT when I got it in interaction with things that uh, might be applied in real life. So it just kind of went a little bit over my head, but I could kind of see the picture becoming clear uh, how that would be great experience for a user like myself and also maybe difficult. I, I don't know. That's why I wanted to ask an expert like yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so the, one of the things that was actually just demonstrated over the weekend is the folks at NVIDIA were showing um, we have NPCs or non-player characters. And so today they're usually like on a conversation loop where they say one of, you know, five yeah. things in some cases. But you can use AI and they demonstrated AI like having a conversation interacting back and forth with the player, which can help make the world a bit richer and, and make it more immersive for folks. But yeah, I mean, the, the here's the one thing that, that I would say I learned at, at a gaming company, right? Um, is that at the end of the day, you know, you have to be a great storyteller mm -hmm. to, to build a great game. And so I think AI can enable storytellers, um, but I don't know that's going to replace them anytime soon. It might be able to, you might be able to have a, a storyteller 
um, be able to describe an environment that they want and maybe it can help get them like a 30% jump start or 40% jump start and things like that. But in terms of having them create their own games, I think people have tried using AI to create movie scripts and other things like that. Um, it could probably do formulaic, you know, not as exciting stuff. Um, but the things you want to have that are different or new or new concepts might be a bit more, more difficult. Got it. Understood. Definitely the narrative, the story and uh, how immersive it is definitely something that's very, very important. Uh, one of the games that I used to love playing was Final Fantasy and had an amazing storyline, drew me in for life. And I'm still a big fan, although I haven't played, you know, the number seven through 20 or whatnot. But the story is really, really, really captivating to your point. Uh, does, does blockchain data really play a big part in developing a game? Uh, you know, is it blockchain agnostic? I know there's a lot of talk of dynamic NFTs. Is that, does that only apply to certain chains or layer twos? I don't know what Shrapnel is being built on, but yeah, please let us know. Yeah, so um, so we chose to use an Avalanche subnet. Um, and so that's a sort of dedicated network where we can set, uh, you know, it's it, the benefits there is it's configurable. And it also means that we can have um, basically total control over the traffic. And so one of the things that um, is sometimes a challenge if you go to, you know, other level one, layer one chains, is that um, you're sharing traffic with everybody else. And there's only so many transactions it can do per second, which means your game may not be able to... Um, perform as, as much as you'd like. Also, you know, it's, it's almost like you've got, uh, your gas prices will go up and so you don't have really great control over gas prices and on, mm. a, on a traditional layer one. And so if, if you're trying to build a business on it, especially a free to play business, it can be really expensive and performance can be, be an issue. Um, and if you're gonna do a large scale free to play game, like we could do like 1.95 million transactions an hour, um, you know, you really need to make sure you have an understanding of your costs and ability to, to perform there. Um, and so Avalanche helped us do that. But that being said, those are the things for our game. And the other thing is we chose our own subnet. We could have control over gas fees and a whole bunch of other things like that that made, made a bunch of sense for us. But NFTs aren't just about the game. They're also about the marketing of the game and also uh, empowerment of the players and the creators. And so um, we know that people, uh, like in our marketing department, if you want to do something with like a major game retailer and they say, oh, well, we do our promotions on this chain. Well, it's not the chain that we're on. We have to be able to support both doing a promotion there where we give away an NFT. We did this recently for um, a container unit, which is a, a, a think of it as, as something that contains Sigma, which is a key part of our, our game. Um, and you can have that um, as a, a redeemable NFT. So you can present that in the game and we'll give you something for that. And we deployed that across three different chains. So even though we're on Avalanche subnet, we deployed it on Avalanche mainnet, on Ethereum mainnet, and on Polygon. And so we had to build out mechanisms that would allow us to see that if you associated your wallet with the game, that, that uh, you had it, and then we could offer you that to redeem inside of your account and, and, and give you those game assets that, that are there. Um, and then, uh, so that enabled our marketing department, and so they needed to go to a bunch of different chains. And then for our users and our players, uh, or our creators, our creators may want to take their assets to games that may not be multi-chain. And so we can enable them to sort of bridge those over. We work with a company called Layer Zero. So all of our assets are bridged, which allows us to take them from our chain to, to Matic or to, to Polygon or to Ethereum or to Avalanche Mainnet or, or other chains that are out there. And so that allows them to use them different games. But also, you know, it wasn't too long ago that a, a CSGO skin sold for $160,000. So you could wow. actually move it from our network, which we chose for our game, to another network where you might sell it. You might want to buy an apartment. Right? So <laughs> you can actually bring that over there and get an apartment in some parts of the world. Um, you know, for your CSGO skin. So we built a lot of things in there to make it uh, multi-chain. Um, and then for GameBridge, the platform we built is we chose Avalanche for us, for our purposes. We know other people may use a Polygon or something else. 
or, or want to go to Avalanche mainnet or do their own subnets. And so we've made it so that the, the underlying platform can go to, to any chain. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah, having the ability to go interoperable with many chains, I think a lot of people would appreciate that uh, for sure, 100%. Um, that's, you, there's a lot of, of um, games that are, I wouldn't say title, you know, play to earn, free to play. Uh, what is, is Shramno going to be released on purely, you know, online? Will one day it be in a system? So it, it's, it's a game that uh, I think we've talked publicly about. There'll be early access in December. And mm-hmm. you'll be able to play that on on PC for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, I don't know if we've talked about uh, plans yet. Um, but yeah, the, the intent is you'll be able to take that, be able to play it. Um, it'll be uh, multiplayer, and uh, really excited to hear the feedback when we launch it later this year in uh, early access. Awesome. Well, with your ties to Microsoft, Monday we might see it on Xbox. <laughs> hey, if, if we can make it happen, we'll make it happen. But uh, nothing to announce today. Got it. Well. What's what's next? Let's wrap it up here. What's next? What question maybe I should should have asked but didn't? Well, I think you hit on the the key things here is is, is um, you know what what are we creating for who and, and what's the value we deliver? Um, one of the questions that that um, we we get sometimes is you know, hey, is blockchain going to be fast enough mm-hmm. to do this sort of things and, and can you bring deliver a real time experience? Um, and the, the answer is, is, is we've chosen uh, an Avalanche subnet because we can get the performance that we want. And so mm-hmm. the key thing is that um, we, we're going to make this as, uh, as straightforward and as easy as, as any other game that's out there. And the fact that it's got blockchain in it, we're, we're basically going to meet you where you are. So if you're um, a, a Web2 gamer and you just want to play a great, great game that's called Trapnel, it's going to look and feel like another game that you've played out there. Um, if you're someone who's in, into Web3 or you grow to be into Web3 as a, as a result of playing the game, you're going to be able to you know, bridge out to other wallets and be able to, to, to participate in, in a robust ecosystem. Um, but it really is about making it pretty much invisible to the user and meeting them where they are uh, and then delivering that at, at the scale you're going to expect from a, a full-fledged AAA game. Um, and uh, based on the early feedback, we're, we're super excited with, with folks' uh, reaction. And, um, you know, personally, as someone who's been in Web3 for a long time, um, I had people at the consensus conference asking, like, hey, we've been talking about this for a long time. Some of like your, your discussions about AI is like, this kind of feels like it's the thing. Like, this is going to do what we talked about a long time ago. And I think it's got a solid shot to go do that. So I'm, I'm just super excited um, to be able to do that. And the fact that, you know, we started with this looking to bring it to other games um, is, uh, is just awesome. Because we already have a bunch of games that have reached out to us about leveraging the tech. Um, oh, nice. So you, know, you could see a lot more things going in quickly. Because the thing is, if you think about some of the scenarios that, that we're going to do, and I call them like the, the IBLs. So it's like, it's, it's rentable, it's consumable, it's composable. So we have NFTs. It's not just an NFT. It's a weapon could be five different NFTs that could be brought together. Each of those could have skins and those skins could have stickers. So it's really complex stuff. Mm-hmm. We're making it super easy. So it's like weapon.parts.at. So it's super easy for someone to do that as opposed to learning the alphabet soup of Web3. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about where Web3 games are today, a lot of people are working with what's there and trying to figure out ERCs and EIPs and L, L, you know, uh, right. uh, you know, uh, the different um, layer ones and, and PK and, uh, and all the rest of that, so ZK and all the rest of that. So what we're doing is saying, no, you can actually go work with similar concepts that devs are familiar with. So I think we're going to have a great game, but I do see it like Unreal and Unreal Tournament or um, Xbox Live and Halo 2 when it came out. We're going to have a great game and a great example of how to leverage this new world of Web3, and then it's going to unlock the doors for a lot of other folks. So hopefully this time next year, we can have a chat and talk about all the new games 
but both shrapnel and then all the games mm -hmm. that the underlying tech has helped influence. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to see in the future what does unlock or grow a new vertical within gaming that will bring in additional X billions or trillions. It seems like it may, and I may be ahead of myself and out of the water here, but um, it's, it seems like that may be the case because ever since you know I started playing games, it's, it's taken leaps and bounds, and this looks like it's going to be the next leap. Yeah, I think anytime when you can enable people to realize their ideas, um, there's a lot of really great ideas and it's going to spawn a lot of interesting stuff. And, and if you can help them do that in a way that's um, a, a way where you can help them make money and it, it's, it really drives a lot of interesting um, business. And we're really excited about what it's going to do for gaming and storytelling uh, over the next year. Absolutely. I mean, if I go back in time and you told my parents I can make money, playing games or becoming a professional down the road, which we never would have saw back then, they would, would have probably let the me same. play a little bit more games. <laughs> same here, cool. same here. Awesome, Marco. It's been great having you on. I look forward to December for the game being out and, and playing it myself. And I'd love to have you back on. I'll make sure to put down all the links for Shrapnel down below and how to connect with you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marco. Bye.